Hello everyone and welcome to a Words and Nerds Takeover episode. Now this is going to be one for the ages because we've got some excellent, excellent guests that are joining us. It's the wonderful, I'm going to start in alphabetical order, <laughs> and it's the wonderful Amelia Mellor and she is joining us and she's just released her second book in uh, in the um, Grandest Bookshop in the World series, The uh, Bookseller's Apprentice. Amelia, thanks for joining us. It's a pleasure, Adrian. Hello, everyone. And, of course, rounding out this trio of legendary creators. I don't know if I'm allowed yeah. to say that, but <laughs> but she's definitely legendary. Yes. Sam, oh. she says yes, Sam Ellen Bound. Sam Ellen Bound is here, and she's also just released uh, a new book, and it is the follow-up in seventh Wherewithal Way series. And uh, as she prefers to be called, Sebsi is here with us, and she's going to talk to us all about uh, her new book as well. Uh, Sam Ellen, great to have you here. Thank you, you two. I endorse um, the legendary stuntmas. I don't endorse the Sebsi. <laughs> okay. Okay. Um, but it's lovely to be here. Hello. Hello. <laughs> we'll work on that. We'll work on that. Oh, so it's exciting. Congratulations to you both for having the new books out. Um, it must, I don't know, how does it feel? How does it feel to have the follow up come out to Amelia? Are you uh, relieved? Are you excited? Uh, or, or something else? Or all of the above? Um, uh, a bit of both. Uh, I had terrible second book jitters really? in the month leading up to it. It's absolutely paralyzing because the first one, and for good reasons, like the first one did so well. I won a few awards for it and it sold quite well. Um, and so I was like, oh my God, how can I possibly pull that off again? But now that it's out, I've had people saying things like, it's even better than the first one. And so I'm like, yes. Um, and it's fired me up and it's um, brought, you know, it's it's brought in um, the fan mail again, which is very nice. And I've, I've got kids writing to me again, which is great for motivation. So, um, yeah, feeling good now. Um, <laughs> it was a bit full on waiting for it to come out because, um yeah, having written the Bookseller's Apprentice during COVID while I was also teaching was <laughs> did a real number on my sanity. Um, uh, yeah, and 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 waiting for it to come out, I, I thought, oh God, is it going to show? But yeah, I'm really proud of Apprentice, and I'm really glad people like it. So far, the sanity is intact, which is good to see. Um, we're going to get Somewhat. you to do... <laughs> Somewhat. Yeah, that's right. As good as it was beforehand, at least. <laughs> um, so we're going to get you to do a little bit of a, a recap for those that have been living under a rock about what the book's all about. But before we get you to do that, I'm going to go over to Sam Ellen Bound, who doesn't like being called Sebsi, uh, but she does like to be called a legend. So legend, tell me this. Uh, did you have the same sort of feelings of pressure <laughs> for book two? Or were you just like, this is fine. I've got this. I'm, I'm going to nail it, man. <laughs> Definitely not. I am a very, very anxious person in general, so I don't I don't really cruise through anything. Um with this with the second book, it was actually on a really tight production schedule. So I so there's four books in the series and I had I haven't written them all ready to go. I'm writing them sort of as they're released. Um and so whenever I always heard, you know, authors and they have to push back the next book in the series and another year and then two years, and I was like, well, what are you doing? Like, that won't be me. It can't be that hard. Um, but it is that hard. Uh, and so it was definitely 
um, a really big rush. I think, you know, because you're writing the next book, but you're also editing the one that's just gone before. In between all that, you're trying to find time to market the book. And as well, you know, you're, you probably have another job. So you're doing that. Um, and it, it can just get really full on. So to me, I just feel like since the first one came out in September last year, I was just go, 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 trying to hustle and get it done. So um, it was, it's almost bizarre. Like, you know, it went to print, I think in early August and, and it was, I don't know, it was just, <laughs> I don't even know. <laughs> Maybe that tells you all you need to know. Like, I don't even know. It was just like on to the next thing. Now I have to do, now I have to get, you know, start book three. So uh, it's all a bit, yeah, it's all, it was just a big, um, you know, hustle to get to the finish, but it's, it's kind of almost a bit, um, just bizarre when it is out it's like oh okay I just feel like I was stressing out you know lying on my lounge room floor stressing about the edits last week but now it's in bookstores so it's it's <laughs> all quite weird but it's nice <laughs> it's great I'm gonna ask Amelia yeah. the same thing but do you do something to uh do you do something to mark the occasion do you sort of like uh go out for a nice meal or have a like a party with mates or I don't know maybe hire a party bus and drive around the country or something or do you do something to mark the occasion or do you no, just sort I of the occasion. <laughs> you do what do I you do myself license to be a bit ridiculous when um, my books come out I definitely spend too much on food um <laughs> Mr Cole was who is one of the characters in my book based on a real person he was way into temperance he would be shocked at the amount of Riesling I've consumed <laughs> um, I, in fact I say sorry, Mr. Cole, when I'm pouring myself a glass of something almost as often as I say cheers. Um, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I do mark the occasion. I try to um, get together with family and friends and things like that. But this time around, uh, well, the first time when the greatest bookshop in the world came out, I had a, a little, um, just a little household party because we were all in lockdown. Um, when the Booksellers Apprentice came out. Everybody in my family was spread far and wide across the country. Parents on the road. My sister lives in the country, so we did a we did a little virtual get together for that one. Um, but I mark the occasion. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. A party for one. I like the. I like your style. Oh yeah, <laughs> I love my own company. So. <laughs> Nicely done. What about uh, you, Sam Ellen? Did you uh, <laughs> did you have a party for one, or did you have a party for one plus one furry friend? Yeah. Um, I'm actually, I actually do need to get better at it. I I don't tend to celebrate much at all, <laughs> mainly because, as I said, it's just like, oh god, that's done. Now I have to quickly move on to the next thing. Um, I think for me, the celebration is you know, when you, you've sat alone with your work for so long and then you do finally get get to go out and, you know, you get to go to bookstores and you do some events and, and that sort of thing. So when you start to market it and promote it, um, that to me is the is the kind of seller, celebratory part of the of the process. But, of course, I do always um, pop a champagne. Mm -hmm. The furry friend does not get any of that, though. <laughs> <laughs> Explain your furry friend for those that might not be sure. A, she gets a pat on the head. She gets a pat on the head and a carrot. <laughs> so I have, 
<laughs> no, carrots are actually really quite bad for rabbits. So giving a rabbit a carrot is like, you know, eating lollies for a human. Oh, I see. But this isn't a rabbit care show, so. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, for those who are like, what what are you talking about? I have um, a little lock rabbit who is um, just basically my bestie and, and my riding buddy as well. So she's the one whenever I have a riding breakdown, something to celebrate, just anything, she's the one who cops it first, yeah, <laughs> much to her like disapproval like get yourself together girl um yeah that's my rabbit shout out (laughs) (laughs) i love it i love it well as i said before for those a lot of people would know these fabulous series um but for those that haven't uh we'll just do a quick recap amelia can you tell us a little bit about the fabulous bookseller's apprentice which has just come out the last couple of months certainly um so the bookseller's apprentice is a prequel to my first book the grandest bookshop in the world um and it's set 22 years earlier uh in a place called paddy's market which used to be on burke street and like cole's book arcade from the first book is now almost lost to time in a way it kind of evolved into the queen vic market it has a couple of the same characters um And one of those characters is our hero, Billy Pike, who is an adult in the first book, but he's a kid in this one. Um, And he gets a job working for his favourite storeholder in the market, Mr Cole of Cole's Books. Um, But then one day Billy um, is warned by a new friend about a sinister con artist who's preying on the people in the market and Billy has a pretty strong sense of justice uh, and a need to make things right and one day when that sinister con artist, who you might remember from the first book, he's called the Obscurosmith, um, one day the Obscurosmith goes a bit too far and Billy takes it upon himself to put things to rights. Um and then it kicks off another race against time adventure with riddles and puzzles. And um, there's actually six villains in this book where there were there was only one in the first book. Um, so yes, people have people have been very generous in saying that it's very exciting uh, and that they loved it, which is nice because I love it too. <laughs> It's good to do what you love. And it's always good to get good feedback like that. And it has been going through the roof. Um, And uh, those that loved the first one, the uh, grandest bookshop in the world, will absolutely love the second one too. It's just like stepping straight back into it. It's fantastic. Hey, um, (laughs) Sam Ellen, what about you? Can you tell us about Seven Wherewithal Way and... uh, and the follow-up, uh, are we still jumping on that uh, that crazy bus? Yeah, so Bonnie is, um, although she's out of, in the second book, she's actually out of action in the second half of it because um, my editor and I agreed the stakes aren't very high when you have a magic flying bus that you can <laughs> just sort of jump on whenever you're in danger. <laughs> so <Right>. <laughs> we have to find uh, <laughs> new and creative ways to sometimes take Bonnie of action otherwise so where's the fun you she know? needed a service she had to go to the mechanics she did she knows she does actually she, <laughs> she does um and in the uh, second book which is based on um the first part is based on uh norse folklore and it's the realm of ice that they go to so it's very cold it's very snowy very icy and um bonnie just doesn't like the cold so um she gets 
so she's out of action there. She just can't handle the cold, makes her brakes freeze up, et cetera, et cetera, her, you know. Um, so that was that. And then the cold destroyed her so much that, that when they went to the realm of jungle in the second part of the book, which is very hot, very humid, tropical place, um, yeah, she was getting her service then. So she's she's not there either. I guess for the, in the, the basic gist of the first story is that there's a place, for those who don't know, there's a place called Wherewithal. It has six portals that go through to other realms and each of those realms is inspired by a different world folklore. So there's two sisters, Celeste and Esme. Their cousin Ferd is sort of like the, um, you know, the owner, the gatekeeper of Wherewithal. So I mean, it's really handy relative to have really, isn't it? Uh, so uh, they get to um, go to Wherewithal. They get to go uh, through to the realms in the first book. There was like a big baddie after these um, really powerful artifacts called Hagstones. And uh, they sort of had to, you know, find the Hagstone. It was a quest, kind of quest adventure. They have to find the Hagstone before, um, you know, the big baddie or the multiple big baddies. I don't have six big baddies like <laughs> Amelia, but I do. Um, there's at least two, maybe three in every book. And so the second book sort of picks that up. Um, you know, they need to keep finding the Hagstones um, before this big baddie who wants to use it for some kind of mysterious um, purpose. Um, there's also a rebellion going all along or um, in the realm. So that's sort of making them very dangerous as well. And in the second, it, at the end of the first book, Celeste got um, a scar on her palm from one of the hagstones. And in the second book, she's finding out that, um, you know, the scar's really a whole lot of trouble. So it like attracts, attracts all the baddies, gives her some sort of strange powers. So she's sort of dealing with um, how to manage that. So there's a lot more that happens, but that's sort of, you know, a very brief summary of the adventure. <laughs> I, I love it. I love it. And it's interesting that you both, you both sort of do a lot of um, research to when you're doing your world building. So Sam, Ellen, you're doing, uh, you're, you're looking at a lot of mythology from what I understand. And Amelia is going through the history books and the, and the old newspapers and things. Is that where you both start? Maybe Amelia, is that where you start when you come up with a new story, um, or, you know, particularly these two that you've just released? Do you start with the research or do you start somewhere else? Uh, with these books, I do start with the research. It was a chapter in a, in a book um, about Melbourne history that kicked off the greatest bookshop in the world, um, as well as the book that E.W. Cole wrote, Cole's Funny Picture Book. It was just those two things that got me started. And then I went looking for more of the story and that was when I found the children and I picked up the idea for the story. Um, that actually happened, that, that actually happens somewhat often. Like the first play that I wrote, um, which was the first story that I wrote that anyone really ever saw, I mean, I wrote tons of stories as a kid, but the first one that anyone ever saw was this play that I wrote um, between year 11 and year 12, where I found out about the scientific phenomenon that people, that makes people see ghosts. Um, so sometimes I start with a fact or a topic and I um, start pursuing that. With this series, I have a couple of stages of research. I start broad and I see what's there and what I need to find out. And then as I'm into it, I start digging deeper. And I 
find the research really useful. I'm because it's a fantasy series. Getting the facts straight isn't strictly that important. <laughs> um, I do things like I'm I'm I mush different times together, um, and um, I make people up if I can't find out who they were. Um, but I do find research really useful because it it gives me ideas. In the Booksellers Apprentice, for instance, um, we've got a couple of different stalls that are going on, um, and I found mentions of many of those stalls in um, the newspapers and the books that I was looking at. So, uh, for instance, Madame Zinger Lee, the fortune teller, she was mentioned in the historical record and um, she has, she in real life, she had this trick where she had a an electric wire running up her sleeve and she would give people a, a light shock when she shook their hands. So, um, so I said to myself, oh, that's something interesting I could use. What if we, you know, what would happen if we pumped up that electric power with a bit of magic? What would happen if she um, did this? What would happen if she did that? What kind of person is she? How can I build on her? Um, sometimes I would just build people out of um, like one name or one mention. Um, Billy, my main character, in real life was the oldest of nine kids. So I've put that in. I used historical records to find their names, but sometimes I've used their second names because there was already another character called, you know, Frank. Um, <laughs> or I've switched them to another, I've switched them to another gender because I already had a character called George. Um, so I and the short answer is I start with the research and I see what's there and then I mine it relentlessly and um, I, yeah, once I'm done cherry picking, I make up the rest. Mm. Mm. Sounds like a great approach. Is that similar to you and your approach, Sam Ellen, with your uh, extensive knowledge of folklore and mythology or do you do something different? No, I think like Amelia, my, my research definitely came first while well, I mean folk, fairy tales as well but folklore and mythology but mainly folklore because folklore is a little different from mythology um but I just that's something that I've loved since I was a you know a young child in kindergarten so I sort of had just a lot of just knowledge stored up in my head anyway um and that was why I wanted to write the series was that I wanted to just draw on this folklore that I've loved. Um, and in the books, like every creature that is in the books and I pack in as many as my editor will let me, it's all based on a, on a real aspect of folklore. Um, and then I just like, you know, sort of like Amelia, just twist it a little bit to suit what I need the scene to do or what I need, you know, you know the story to do um, or what I think is cool. <laughs> um but definitely that's where it, at the start of every book, and this is probably not the best way to go about it, but, um, you know, when have I ever done anything normal? Um, I always go, all right, what creatures do I want to write about in in this one? You know, and that's sort of, <laughs> once I have that, then I build, I start building the narrative and the rest of the story and the plot. Um, and then definitely 
even though I do um, have a, a really, I would say, quite a strong knowledge of folklore, there's definitely still stuff that, you, you know, you need to look into. Um, and especially as well, because all the realms are based on unreal places. So, you know, you end up spending hours uh, looking up details of, you know, if they go to a, a waterfall that is actually a, a waterfall in like South America, you know, then I will spend hours researching what it you know what it looks like uh and then in the in the third book actually you know they actually have to jump off a waterfall so I spent like at least an hour researching like how jumping off waterfalls <laughs> yeah like how what's the best entry like how D- did you jump you off wanted to survive I haven't yet but you know I mean it's yeah, maybe um yeah like what's the best way to enter the water if you want to survive how high could someone jump if they were mm. going to survive so all that kind of stuff um I'd do a belly whacker myself. It's, yeah. <laughs> Ow. <laughs> uh, so all that kind of stuff comes into it as well. So certainly as you go, um, you're constantly, um, well, I have like a whole bookcase of folklore books, so I'm always constantly referring back to them or, or going down internet rabbit holes. And it is really fun, but, you know, when you're on a deadline, it's like, okay, we've got to, that's enough. <laughs> Let's put that in the story now and move on. Yeah. So I'm going to ask Amelia this in a second, but um, you mentioned there that some of the characters or the creatures uh, are the things that kind of inspire you the most and draw you into the story. Uh, is that is that what keeps you writing? Is that what, or is it the, what inspires you most, the world or the creatures? Yeah, I think I am very invested in the sort of four main characters mm. who are Ferd, uh, Logan, Celeste and Esme. And I am very invested in their stories. Um also wherewithal as a whole there's a sort of lot of permanent creatures who live at wherewithal I'm very invested in their stories um so certainly that has come into it and you know you're building such a huge world so it's definitely you 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 want to see that to the end and you get very involved in that but still what gives me the greatest excitement um when planning a book and also when writing the scenes is when they encounter the, the the monsters or the creatures and you mm. get to write a really fun, scary, not too scary because, you know, it's middle grade, but um, that's still what gives me the, the greatest thrill for sure. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And what gives me the greatest thrill when I'm reading Amelia's work is the obscure Smith. I've told her this before. She probably thinks I'm a bit obsessed, but I think he's an, an excellent <laughs> villain. I love him. I love him so much. Um <laughs> Favorite. One of my friends describes him as very sexy. Um, yes, that's fair. He's absolutely stolen the show from everyone who's based on a real person. Um, I have mixed feelings about it because I think he's also really fun, um, but he does overshadow the actual people that I'm trying to teach people about as well. Um, that said, though, he is kind of based on um, on Mr. Cole's riddles, which uh, which I've used for inspiration along the way. So I guess I shouldn't feel too guilty for creating um, a character that everyone loves that overshadows <laughs> the historical um, characters. But, yeah, um, just on what you were saying, Sam, about how it can't be too scary, I feel like in a way... Fantasy gives us a bit of license to write things that are really scary because, like, Paul Jennings, for instance, when I was growing up, some of those images from some of those stories have stuck with me way more than anything in an adult <laughs> horror book. The Fox. 
Yeah, the oh fox. Oh my god! Um, the fox in the cupboard, wasn't it? I can remember that too. Yes. The scarecrow. The horrible one where the kid gets run over by a train. Mm. Um, <laughs> the one where like the mm. evil principal is stuck in like a hell vortex, <laughs> watching like watching lobsters boil humans and. <laughs> so do you pull yourself back do you, or, or do you embrace those sort of darker scarier moments amelia i love the dark scary stuff i mean there is a limit I, we have the same editor and i'm sure yeah. she's told you too far like she's told me um I particularly, particularly in apprentice i think i went too far with um with the phrenologist and the taxidermist occasionally. Oh. Um, I thought you were going to say the dentist. The um... Oh, no, I was, weirdly enough, I was free to do <laughs> I liked with the dentist. Um, there is a limit. However, I get really excited by the dark, scary stuff, and I think kids do too. I've, I've found, um, I've found that adults worry about, how dark my books are um but kids really love it um I have had you know kids write me funny little kid reviews that say things like <laughs> do not read at night um, <laughs> yeah but um but yeah when I was a kid I liked it when books didn't pull punches in terms of how scary they were because it was a safe way to explore um, those feelings. Like it was a safe way to get scared. And I was naturally very scared of things. Like when I was little, I remember, you know, saying, mum, what's the safest place in the world? She goes, in your mum's arms. And I go, what if a bomb fell on us? <laughs> um, <laughs> so, yeah, so fiction was... I actually liked it when books were scary because I felt like the author was being honest with me. Um, and I feel like there's a bit of a trend in kids' books, or maybe it's always been, sometimes we get kids' books where, and particularly kids' fantasy books, where the stakes are very low and I feel like it's come out of helicopter parenting where people say, you know, or adult authors are writing, they go, oh, well, I don't want to scare the kids and my characters are kids and I don't want to put them through this scary thing. Whereas actually, to me, fiction is a great way to explore those kinds of things and to give kids a chance to face fears and process all these feelings. Um, and so, yeah, so I lean hard into the adventure stuff, the scary stuff, because it's exciting. Um and it makes the story more interesting and, you know, if if it's scary or if it's sad, um, if it makes people feel something, then people care about your story, which is great. So, yeah, I think it's really important to have stakes and I think it's important not to talk down to kids in, in terms of, I mean, don't traumatise them either, but I think it's important not to talk down to them um, or to you know, to write off possibilities. Um, and I think having worked with kids for many years, I, I was a teacher, I was a tutor and a nanny, you actually see what they can handle. Then you feel like you can have big ideas in your stories and, and use some more difficult words and things like that. So, 
Mm. I think you're right. I think it's a safe space for for kids to experience these these feelings uh, and not in the real world, but they get to sort of almost try out these feelings. So it's actually, in some ways, it's it's kind of helpful to have those sort of scary moments. Um, okay, now tell me this. Uh, are you guys like uh, with your writing process? I want to get down to the, to the specifics here. Like <laughs> um, I get the feeling that um, you guys might have slightly different approaches to how you, you sit down and write your stories. Like we hear, or well, a lot of the times we hear about the pantsers that just sit down and just write. Sometimes we hear about the plotters that uh, plot out uh, character uh, chapter by chapter and they know exactly what's going to happen. Um, I am going to make a prediction here and I, I'm prepared to be wrong but I'm going and I don't know this but I'm going to predict this I'm going to say Amelia I'm, I'm sensing you're a plotter and Sam Ellen the legend I'm I'm sort of picturing you as a bit more of a pantser <laughs> discuss well I think um definitely I did start out as a pantser my first book was uh, which was what the Raven saw. That was just I don't I don't even actually know how that eventually formed into a cohesive narrative story. <laughs> and then with my next series, I'm pretty sure um, I just sort of breezed through that as well and didn't really do much uh, plotting of that. Mm-hmm. Certainly the um, and then for wherewithal, certainly the first book there was you know I just sort of because it was you know, source material that I love so much. And it was an idea that I had always wanted to write. So I just let myself go loose and, you know, write about all the things, just write what I loved and and just have it all there on the page. And then um, I did some really intense self-edits before I um, submitted that to my literary agent first and then obviously a publisher. Um, but then... And, and that's something that I do appreciate. I think the way that I write is um, is like I just need to get the brain spew out. Um, the, the most authentic version of the story and the characters for me is just come out when I just let them come out. So I don't think too much about anything else. I just let them do what they do. But then because this is like quite, there's four books in this series, it's quite epic. There's a lot of world building. There's multiple realms. There's multiple plots for me if people can great give me all the tips but I can't I just can't breeze through that it needs to be um so the first thing that I actually did with Meg my editor when I got the book deal was we sort of you know sat down and wrote a field guide to the world um so to the characters to everything you know that needs to happen um I was very terrible with updating it (laughs) um (laughs) But uh, now I have to plot quite a lot. So every book gets its own notebook and every chapter is, you know, before I write the chapter, I write down in the chapter everything that needs to happen. Where, um, you know, what needs to happen to the characters here, what needs to happen to progress the story, what needs to happen to set up things for later, um, how, you know, number, yeah, what, you know, what scene, what creature will we encounter, um, and how will they move across the landscape? It's all it's all like jotted down what I need to do in every chapter. Of course, you then deviate from that sometimes, but I need that there or like I'll be writing a 300,000 word hmm. manuscript. So I really need that to um, keep on track and just to remember like what 
what I've written before. Um, I do have a good memory, but when it comes to my books, I I don't know what I've already said and what I and what I haven't. So definitely now I am quite plotty for sure. Wow. Well, that's uh my strike rate's not looking so good at the moment. It's uh <laughs> I got I got that one completely wrong. But um <laughs> You've evolved into a plotter, so that's interesting. I evolved. Yeah. I evolved, yes. Highly evolved. Not that there's one one way is better than another, but um, that just happens to be Sam Ellen's journey. What about uh, Amelia? Uh, <laughs> I predicted you're a plotter, but uh, now I'm sort of, <laughs> my confidence has been shaken a little. <laughs> oh, no, I'm a plotter for sure. And like Sam, I have become plottier as ah. time has gone on. Um <laughs> I have to admit, I can't just let my characters do what they do because in I feel like the director of a show, and maybe this is due to my background um, in playwriting, but I don't I don't feel like my characters will go off and do things without me. I, I always feel like I'm the director and when I rewrite a scene, it's like doing another take. And in my head, I'm thinking, okay, gang, cooperate with me here. Um, <laughs> we're going to take it again. Um, and, yeah, I also do that micro-plotting thing where at the start of writing a chapter, I will plan out the whole thing. Um, that said, I am apt to get distracted by shiny ideas along the way. <laughs> Um, and sometimes I'm very self-defeating too because I can't do the brain spew thing. I always want to get it right the first time, which is very annoying <laughs> and self-sabotaging, but I don't just get the first draft out. I go back and edit and I go back and edit the whole time I'm doing a first draft, um, and I try to make tough calls before Meg makes them. <laughs> um, but of course her input is extremely valuable. Um, I think the first draft of the Bookseller's Apprentice might have been one of the roughest things I've ever done. Um, there were, you know, there were some very important parts missing. But yeah, I do I do like to start with a pretty strong outline um, and I outline my chapters as I go. Um, but it's also no problem for me to just move things around as well. I love copy paste. I've always worked on a laptop. People imagine me writing with a quill or a typewriter or something. No. <laughs> Since grade five, I've been a, I've been a computer girl because um, I just oh, I love the ease of editing you get with technology just paste this here, insert this here. I can't imagine doing it on a typewriter. It seems so laborious. Mm. Here's, a, here's a question for you. If young Sam Ellen or young Amelia <laughs> was around today, uh, what do you think they would think of your books and you as an author? What do you think their reaction would be? Would they would they just love them or have you changed or what do you reckon? I'm going <laughs> to, Sam Ellen's just got a real thinking face on, so I'm going to ask <laughs> Amelia first. <laughs> um, I've, <laughs> I've often wondered if little Mim would recognise me. Um, like if we just, if we somehow, um, like fell through a time hole and she saw me, I wonder if she would recognize me. I think she would. I 
wrote the grandest bookshop in the world for the kind of for the kind of kid that I was. Mm. Um, and having heard from a lot of little nerds and keen beans um, who show a couple of the same signs I did as a kid, um, I think she would really like the books. There's a possibility that Little Mim would be very shy and intimidated by me, but it's a slim possibility because uh, she was a chatterbox and she did have a lot of confidence. So <laughs> I I mean, I've wanted to be a, an author since I was three. I think she'd be pretty thrilled. I yeah. think she'd be pretty thrilled. Um, there's a possibility she would be a bit overwhelmed, though, because honestly... I'm a bit overwhelmed sometimes. I Things don't feel real sometimes. When I went to Sydney this year um, to see my window at Divix with, uh, with my characters in the window, mm. um, I was like, oh, yeah, I did that. That's mine. <laughs> Whereas, like, when everything was coming out during lockdown, um, in a way, it kind of didn't feel real because, you know, things would end, award shows would end and I'd still be sitting in my room. So, like, it all, it, it is overwhelming and surreal sometimes and I think, yeah, I, at times still I feel like a little kid mm. um, going to those things because, you know, here are all these wonderful accomplished people, here are all these people who wrote the books that I read when I was a kid and now I'm one of them. It's weird. <laughs> what I've managed to do in what has felt like a very short time shouldn't, by, by all metrics, shouldn't have been possible. Like I read so much advice at, in early in my career that was like, don't expect greatness. This industry's hard. You won't sell more than 5,000 copies. Dream on, keep working. And then all of a sudden my first book was going gangbusters and I, you know, I've managed to make writing my full-time job after only two years. <laughs> like it's, ah, uh, it shouldn't be possible, but here I am. It's a dream come true, clearly, and that's totally, so great to see. Totally. Sometimes I wonder if I can keep it up. I sure hope I can. I'm... Very mindful not to take it for granted because it, it's very special. Absolutely. Well, I think book two proves that it's not a fluke because uh, book two has been getting rave reviews and everyone's been loving it just as much as the first. So I'm sure we've got plenty more to see from Amelia. Um, Sam Ellen Bound, <laughs> the mean streets of Devonport. A young Sam oh, Ellen was yeah. wandering around. <laughs> she was wondering what she was going to do with herself. Did she ever dream that she would be an author? What would she What would she make of of you as an author and your books? Um, naturally, I think I'll love myself. Really, <laughs> <laughs> of course. <laughs> um, no, look, I it was never. Um, when I was younger, I always wanted to be an author. I also wanted to be a dancer and an actor and a singer and a marine biologist as every kid did <laughs> but I always wanted to do like something in that sphere and and writing was always the really big thing writing and dancing um it was not ever like I just never let myself think that it wouldn't happen um I was always have have always been and continue to be very ambitious but as a teenager um as a kid and as a teenager I was very 
I'm just really confident and really quite um, ballsy, if I'm allowed to say that, that I just, it was, it was just not an option that I would not be an author. Mm. I was willing to do everything and everything I could do to have my own book on the shelf. Um, so, you know, I think like, you know, my, my nine-year-old self who was, you know, writing my own little chapter books um, would be thrilled. Mm. Um <laughs> absolutely and, and good for her <laughs> good, good on you little Samuel yeah. <laughs> that's great okay well um I'm gonna ask you in a moment I'm gonna ask you for some uh, perhaps uh, uh some gift ideas it is the season but um before we get to that um what do you got planned a bit more sort of bookish fun coming up for the rest of 2022 I think actually Amelia is going to be holding some sort of incredible magical mystery tour or treasure hunt or some such thing what's the story amelia yes so um the news just broke yesterday or maybe the day before um but i'm running a treasure hunt with mary martin bookshop on south bank Ooh. all through december in melbourne um so if you've ever wanted to do your own um obscure smith challenge but maybe <laughs> without the traps um you can I've written uh, a treasure hunt and you pick up your map, it's free, from Mary Martin Bookshop anytime they're open during December um, and you follow the riddles and the clues and the map um, and figure out the secret message and win a little prize. Oh. Um, so the locations on the map will take you to uh, historic places all around Melbourne. So Love it. Love that's it. a fun one to do for older primary students. Uh, and any adults who like puzzles can have a go as well. So there's sort of riddles that you that that uh, you that you've got to work out. Is there? Is that how it works? Yes. Ooh. Yes. Um, how exciting! I um, Sam and I might do it. Oh, oh yeah, let's great. go. Let's go, AB. We're, we're there. We're there. Um, okay. Is it something? Oh. As long as we win, can you win? <laughs> and can can rabbits I'm go? Competitive. Are rabbits yeah. allowed? <laughs> um, can the rabbit walk four kilometres? <laughs> Um, no, she's nine. So she'll, I tell you what, I'll, I'll get one of those, I'll get one of those um, baby holder things and I'll strap her to the, to the front and I'll, I'll wander around with her like that. That'll be fine. No that has, that sold me. That sold me. I'm there. Let's, let's go. It's worth that's, it for that. That's great. So that starts, uh, that's, that's all through December, uh, Mary Martin bookshops in South Bank in Melbourne. And you can actually, you can do like, a, it's almost like a riddle walking tour of, of the grandest bookshop. That's fantastic. Exactly. Bring the book to life. I love it. Okay, Sam Ellen Bound, you are no doubt doing some sort of incredible tour somewhere to talk all about Seven Wheel with All Way. What have you got planned? Yeah, so the um the second book actually only came out a few weeks ago, so I'm still sort of um toying around. So we've done um uh, Melbourne, Melbourne now, and I've done the Surf Coast, which is where I live. Then I'll be heading up to uh Queensland at the end of this month and I'm going to try and squeeze although I really probably need to organize that soon um squeeze like a little Sydney one in there as well um so yeah it's it is really nice to get out and and see um all the booksellers you know you just sort of at least I have been hunched over my laptop for many many months just you know drastically trying to meet deadlines so then you know once you get out you get to go and see on books and get to see all the cool stores and it's just really really lovely those chats I really appreciate them with all the um booksellers so 
um, that sort of that sort of will see me through to the end of the year. And of course, uh, you know, I've got book three deadline looming large, so um, you know, I need to um, <laughs> spend a, a bit of time on that, a lot <laughs> of time on that too. So yes, yeah. Good luck. Well, keep an eye on Sam Allenbound's socials and she's appearing at a bookshop near you, no doubt, very soon. So uh, um, always good to grab grab a signed copy from the author. That's awesome. Okay. Uh, Before I let you go, as we said, we're coming up to the holidays period. What makes a great gift this time of year, I reckon, is books. So Mm. I've asked these two wonderful creators to come up with a suggestion. What, What we might stuff in a stocking for our friends or, you know, another middle grade read or something along those lines. We'll see what suggestions they've come up with. Something that's caught their eye across the year. Maybe we'll go with Amelia first. Amelia, have you got any suggestions for uh, a gift this time of year? Certainly. Um, at the moment, I'm reading Jackie French's Girls Who Changed the World books. Ah, um, yes. So uh, Ming and Flo fight for the future. And I haven't got up to Ming and Marie yet, but that's the second one. Um, they're historical fiction. They're time slip Um and so that's very on brand for me. Um, but great little Aussie reads. Um, and if you like the historical aspect of my books, uh, you'll probably like those as well. Great. You can't go wrong with Jackie French. That's fantastic. Thank you, Amelia. Uh, of course, obviously, uh, grab yourself a copy of, uh, of Amelia's books and Sam Allen Bound's books and even my books first. And then you could perhaps go for these suggestions, of course. It's a very big stocking. I, I mean, I, I, I endorse huge <laughs> stockings. <laughs> you can Pillow quote cases. me on that. Pillowcases. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Duna covers, if you can. Duna covers. That's the way to just <laughs> hang it from the front of your house and just fill it with books. Yeah. <laughs> what do you reckon, Sam Allen Bound? Absolutely. Um, actually, the book that I'm reading now is um, it's a YA kind of spooky thriller called um, What We All Saw by Mike Lucas, oh, who is yes. an Australian author. And he South actually Aussie. owns a, a bookstore in Adelaide, I think. Yeah. Shakespeare's bookshop. Yeah, I he think. owns a yeah. bookstore in Adelaide somewhere. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, cool. Well, you know more than me. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I saw that one. When I was working at a bookstore earlier in the year, um, you know, this one caught my eye every time I walked past it on the shelf um, because I love spooky things and it's sort of got a little, sort of a, quite a cool folklore element as well. And so I started reading it last week and it's absolutely fantastic. Um, actually, I was reading it the night before I was due to go out on a book tour and it was sort of like 1am and I was like, you know, you need to be refreshed tomorrow. It's really time you should packing in and go to bed but I just I couldn't put it down um it's just it's a really great it reminds I mean this is a really obvious comparison but it reminds me a lot of um Stephen King it's set in the 70s and it's four friends and you know um sort of spooky things happen to them but they've got that really great rapport that Stephen King does really well for young um you know friendship groups and just a really engrossing legit scary read like I actually did have a nightmare about um you know one of the scenes so that's probably because you know I was reading at YM before I went to (laughs) sleep but um so absolutely that if you and even like I mean I just even think adults will love it as well so anyone you know teen readers um especially those who love spooky reads I would definitely say this one and the other series that I've read um this year that I really enjoy too is the um Lynette Noni, the Prison Healer series. So mm. that's sort of like a dark YA fantasy and there's three of those and they're just really good um, 
like a really good, fun, engrossing YA fantasy read. So, um, so there is three of those. So they will do well in the in the Duna stocking. They'll, <laughs> that's, they'll that's cut true. it out. That's true. That's right. Yes, <laughs> they've done extremely well too. And uh, yeah, great. Some more great Aussie. Uh, creators, which is terrific to see. And I would just like to throw in my recommendation, and that would be Deborah Bella's Book of Wondrous Possibilities, um, which is a terrific middle grade book. It's almost like a, a love story to booksellers and bookshops and the power of books. And it's a wonderful uh, middle grade read that I read with my daughter and she thoroughly enjoyed it as well. So um, definitely jump on board uh, all those wonderful recommendations. And um, you can't go wrong. That's you've it. Got, you've got to listen to this excellent advice. <laughs> uh, it's been so great to catch up with you both and congratulations on both your new books. Of course, we've got Amelia Mellor's fantastic Booksellers Apprentice, which is rocketing up the charts and everyone's loving it. And it's, and the other one that's just dropped is, of course, the sequel to Seven Wherewithal Way. It's an icy installment, this one, isn't it? Uh, isn't it, Sam Allen? It's an yeah. I, it is. It's, it's an icy and then a, a tropical installment. Yeah, that's right. That's the second in that series too. <laughs> so uh, if you can, go out and check all those out. And thank you very much. And check for... out yours too. Yes. Don't forget Adrian Beck's new junior fiction series to round <laughs> yeah. out your to round out your stocking. That's, yeah, that's ra- a new release too. Round out your stocking with a bit of furball. Absolutely. Good that's good call. It. Yeah. And then maybe <laughs> just get a few extra and throw them in as well. It can't hurt because yeah. they might want to read it a few times. You never know. That's it. Hey, thanks very much for joining us on this Words and Nerds uh, podcast takeover. You guys and myself, we've been awesome. Legendary. We lived up to the introduction. That's right. Thanks, Amelia. (laughs) Thanks, Adrian. Bye. Thank you. Bye. Bye.